Hey, welcome to Reflection as a Service. This is Paul Merrill. And I'm James Jeffers. And we're here to talk about entrepreneurship and software engineering. And, you know, we've had a couple episodes lately where we've gotten, we've had guests on. Mike Lyles just came on and talked about STP and testing and all of that. That was a good um, software engineering testing kind of episode. And today you and I talked about some ideas. And what's, what's this episode going to be? Setting boundaries. Setting boundaries. And there's a lot of ways we can go with that, whether it's entrepreneurial or in software development. No, oh, that's a good point. I was thinking of the entrepreneurial side or yeah, I mean, I guess it could work both ways, right? Because if you're working with any, if you're working with somebody else, which is almost always, you have to establish where the boundaries are, where, where does your work start and stop and where does their work start and stop? And I was thinking, you know, for the entrepreneurial side of things, if you have a client and you don't establish the boundaries of when you're available. Or what, you know, where does your service stop? Some clients, they will not uh, think twice about picking up the phone and calling you at all hours or sending you an email just because they feel like it and they will uh, just fire this off. And so if you don't train your clients that, hey, after 5 p.m., unless we have some other special arrangement, I'm not going to respond to your emails unless it's like an emergency. Um, and so if you do respond... Your clients will, you're essentially training your client to say, there are no boundaries. Right. Come into my living room anytime you want. Right. So I think that's a great frame. So we maybe we can start out talking about the entrepreneurial part. So with your clients yeah. and setting up these boundaries, you were talking about training them as time goes on. So you're at that point, you're already in, uh, you have a, a contract set up um, and, and you're training them within the day-to-day behaviors. But do you set some of that up in contracts now? Yes. Okay. So, like, so now you try to do it in advance as opposed to in the past you did it as time went on. Can I tell you how well it works when I didn't set that up? <laughs> yeah, tell us. Not at all. Uh, and I, you know, it was entirely my fault because I would feel guilty that anything I produced for my client that had any flaws, you know, to me that was like, oh, I've, I've failed them. I've let them down. And now they're calling me and they're like, hey, we need this other thing or this, this part doesn't work the way we think it should. And so I would jump right on it and I would, I would work crazy hours just to get it right. And then, um, one evening my son came in and he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to get this stuff done by this deadline because it's getting kind of crazy. And he's like, well, what happens if you don't hit that deadline? And I was like, I don't think anything bad's going to happen, but it's like, it's on me. It's like my reputation. And he kind of looked at me funny and he said, I think this is just perfectionism. And so every time he would see me working at night or on the weekends for no reason other than I just felt like I needed to do it right right at that moment, he'd point out, says, Dad, I think your perfectionism is showing again. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was true. I mean, I was working for no reason. And I was, number one, training my clients that, you know, there really was no limit to what they could get me to do, right? And that was really unfair to me. Uh, and I think as we both know, if you, if you have somebody who has to make decisions and work with their brain, once you go past a certain number of hours in a certain time span, you're actually moving backwards. Oh yeah. So I was risking burnout. Uh, you know, my, my mind wasn't going to be as sharp. I was going to introduce more problems and I was actually limiting my long-term capability to, to keep working. So. And doing them a disservice. 
Yeah, ultimately. I mean, yeah, they, they might have gotten that uh, modal two pixels to the left, you know, Friday night. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's not a good service for them. Um, so, yeah, with work that's come up more lately, I've said, okay, in the agreement that we're going to have going forward, these are the boundaries. You can call me 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can reach me after hours if it's an emergency, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can, and we'll, we'll mitigate the situation. But you may not have a, a full resolution until later. And I'm not, I'm not really guaranteeing them uh, that everything's going to be addressed right then. It's like we're going to put out the fires, and then during normal business hours, then we're going we're gonna to get to the bottom well, of Well, in things. fact, it sounds like you're telling them it's not going to be taken care of right then. Well, like I said, we're going to put the fires out. Yeah. Like their business is going to be running. But if they're if they're coming to me and saying, well, uh, this chart isn't showing up correctly, that's not an emergency. Like that can wait. Um, you know, if we want to make additional changes to their product uh, to, you know, um, for whatever reason, like that, that can wait for tomorrow. Um, hey, like our site's not responsive. Okay, like I'm, I'll figure that out. Right? That's an emergency. You can't conduct your business. Right. Um, so I, it's much easier to, to have that stuff laid out ahead of time, you know, like in a, in a statement, uh, like in a contract or in a SOW yeah. uh, statement of work. So how does that work with your clients who are selling things 24-7? So some of these clients are stores that are online. They're selling all across the world 24-7. Are you getting called in the middle of the night after setting this up? I've gotten calls in the middle of the night before, um, more so when I was working for a large, uh, like a very large company. Yeah. yeah. And so I was on call and they could pick up the phone and that was just a part of that job. In working for myself, I've had a couple of times where people have freaked out because they were like, something doesn't look right. And so I was able to go in and figure out, you know, how can I address this right now? And so it didn't turn into, we're going to make massive software changes to fix the ultimate issue. It was like, we're going to, we're going to apply, apply enough fixes right now to get you back on your feet. And then tomorrow morning, we're going to have a phone call and I'll say, here, here's what I saw that was broken. Here's how I think it can be addressed. Right. But the thing is, I'm not going to stay up overnight to sort of troubleshoot everything and try to figure everything out. Yeah. And I think that's, um, I mean, so your business is, is developing software products for folks. So, so building online applications to make a difference. And that's a little bit different than Beaufort Fairmont, where we're working on, on testing and, and creating automated tests for folks and whatever. So most of what we do with the company that we're working with or with the clients that we're working with, our clients are generally going to be working between, you know, eight in the morning and five or six at night. And provided we select whichever time zone uh, we're, we're all going to kind of adhere to, um, then it's it's kind of so far it's not been really a problem for us. I do see myself, and I see I see us working uh, ex, uh, over hours. A lot of times we'll work at night and we'll work on the weekends because those are the times when we get quiet time to focus on automated testing and to build the things that the clients are asking for us. But that's a little bit different from from what you're saying. So. Um, the newer contracts that I set up, I, I do set it up to say, yeah, okay, so if we're doing a coaching engagement where you're trying to transition from manual testing over to automated testing, 
that coaching engagement is going to work during nine to five. And these are the types of hours that will work during those times. But, um, you know, getting on a phone call in the middle of the night every so often is not something that we're generally going to do. And for testing and automated testing, it's not the same thing. It's not a real time issue. There's with automated testing, if you, if something breaks, well, it, you're going to know before launch if something breaks and it's not launch time and it's not real time when something breaks, right? So it's a little different than what you're dealing with. But I think those boundaries still have to be there. And whether it's time or roles and responsibilities yeah. or whatever it is, you have to set those up for, to have a healthy relationship with your client. I think, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the real goal, right? Healthy relationship. And I've been pretty lucky. Most everybody that I've worked with uh, kind of understands the importance of, like I think I told them this last week, hey, it's Labor Day. I, my office is not open on Labor Day. And they were like, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, <laughs> right, because yeah. we won't be there either. <laughs> yeah, and so, yeah, um, I mean, I, I have a client who I know she was working on Labor Day, but her expectation was not that anybody else was going to be working. It's just that was her preference. Right, and I was working on Labor Day. Like I, I worked all day Labor Day because I had that opportunity to sit down and focus on one client and work on that one bit of work all day. But they're not expecting me to do that, and they weren't in, and they were very excited when they saw the work that had been done on Monday morning, or Tuesday morning, I guess. So I'm thinking about, like, you said that, you know, that your clients aren't really, like, if there's a problem, they're going to know before launch, because for the, hopefully, they're, they're using the end result of your of engaging with you and more upfront and yeah. continuously. Yeah. But is there also a way to set boundaries so that, you know, I guess it's also setting expectations, right? Because if you if you have an engagement with somebody and you're doing test automation, or if you're doing a coaching agreement, and the expectation is that you know um, there's a schedule that we're going to work with, but then have you ever had an instance where a client will uh, sort of push an accelerated or compressed schedule on you, and you're like, I didn't really agree to that, and there's a lot of reasons why this isn't going to work, and you had to push back, or well, I have. Um... Maybe not in the sense of scheduling, but in the sense of roles and responsibilities, certainly. And that's one of the things that now I try to be really clear about is, uh, this is what we're here to do at this particular, with this particular deal. These are the things that we're going to accomplish for you. And if those things are, okay, we're, we're going to transition this particular scrum team from doing mostly manual to doing mostly automated over the next however many sprints, um, that's our role. Our role is in, in, in trying to accomplish that goal, whatever we need to do to accomplish that goal and working with the team is what we're going to do. Now, if in the middle of a deal like that, someone says, okay, we want you to be the scrum master now. I'm going to say, well, that's not what we do. Um, there's some really great scrum masters that I know, and I'd be happy to put you in contact with them, but that's not the deal that we agreed to. And if you want to do that and you think that we're the right people, Maybe we can talk about it, but that's a completely different set of responsibilities and roles. And, and we need to sit down and, and kind of have a stop and, and, and reset. Yeah, yeah but you're things. here and the team loves you. So why not? Yeah. And so that's what used to happen a whole lot, right? <laughs> I mean, that used to happen much, much more than it happens now. Um, it still does happen when someone wants to. Uh, like they want to make the engagement other than what you Something different to. than what we agreed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think it just comes down to having, to, be, to being able to say, well, that's different or, and being, and being able to judge for yourself because there are going to be times that are, um, like the people listening to this, they may have completely different situations than you and I have right now. 
And there are times when you sit down and, and you know that you have to make the choice to keep this deal at the rate that you're at right now and do whatever the client's asking you because you have no other option and your family's got to eat, right? Yeah. There are people listening that we, I, I just want to make it clear that like you have to decide at that point in time what you're going to value and how you're going to, to, to do your business. Right. Yeah. I think these, I mean, all of these are lessons that have been won through adversity, mm. you know, pain essentially. And it's only by looking back and saying, oh, you know, that was a, a mode of behavior that wasn't ultimately getting me where I wanted to go. Uh, it wasn't making me happier. It wasn't, it was affecting my health. And I think, you know, also at the end of the day, um, if you spend all of your time without boundaries and you're always working and you're just doing whatever, you are sacrificing something. And like you said, it's like, yeah, your family has to eat, but at the same time, it's like you also need to be there for your family. Yeah. If you're constantly having to give your family the cold shoulder because you're hunched over a keyboard, that has its effects as well. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And there are people who get along or seem seemingly get along fine working all the time. Uh, I probably work more than a lot of people do, but uh, I, I also have a very strong balance for my family in there too. I spend a lot more time with my family than a lot of other people. So, um, yeah, you know, I guess I guess the other thing is like in a software development environment, we were both employees working for employers at times. One of the things that I hear coming up a lot right now and that this conversation reminds me of is um, this concept of unlimited PTO. <laughs> yes. So unlimited paid time off and the company will come in and say, we're going to have it so that it's unlimited. And I got to tell you now in my career... And with where I'm at in terms of what I value, if a company came in and said that, I'd be like, okay, see ya. Taking next week off. <laughs> Taking the next however long I want off. It's unlimited. <laughs> I'm not coming back. You're going to keep paying me. This is the policy. And the thing is that you know that's not the policy. It's not actually unlimited because right. everybody would do that, right? So it's that's not the actual policy that you have. And on each one of these, when I drill down with people and say, well, what, what happens if you just leave and don't come back? Are you still going to get paid? They're like, well, no. And I'm like, then it's not unlimited. <laughs> like the trick is they try to make you feel like you have this unlimited amount of things. It's like airline miles. People will save airline miles like nothing else in their life, right? But when they go to trade them in, it's a big, big deal. It's hard to trade them in, you know? That's what unlimited, unlimited paid time off is. It's airline miles. You're never going to use them all because they're going to be hard to use. When have you, you had some rough experiences them. trading in your airline miles? Yeah, you can only fly like Tuesdays and Thursdays and like you can leave at 3 a.m. in the morning to go to Charlotte from Raleigh and you, you, yeah, you, you haven't had this? I, I have, to have not played the airline mile game because to me it always, like you said, kind of felt like a, what am I doing all this work for? Like if I get airline miles because I've flown and it's like I don't have to think about it, I guess it's great. But like you said, if you're going to turn it into a big hassle the value is not there, right? Right, and then there's like a fee to exchange them and like a fee for each segment to exchange them. And it's not that you have to put in like 25,000 air miles for a trip. It's 25,000 for like a segment. So if you have to get, if you're trying to go to California for a vacation from the East coast, right. There's going to be probably two segments there. You got to fly to Atlanta. Or, and I, the more I talk about this, the more you're going to know which airline I like to fly the most. I know. It's like go to Atlanta. <laughs> 
<laughs> or, uh, or, or wherever. But yeah, so, and then each one of those segments is 25,000. So you end up paying more for, maybe not more, but a lot for the trip and it doesn't really do anything in here. You've saved all this time. I just think paid time off is crazy. And it's, it's this thing where there actually are boundaries, but you don't know what they are. And sometimes having boundaries and you don't know where they are is worse than having them out in public. Oh yeah. You're not going to risk being eaten by a lion because you strayed too far from the campfire. Like, like you said, like, Oh, I'm just going to take a month off. Well, you know, you weren't here and we docked you on your performance review. (laughs) Okay. So I worked, I worked for a company that did unlimited PTO and it sounded awesome because at the time I was like, well, the company I worked at before, it was like four or five weeks of vacation. So I'm like, I'm going to get at least this much here. Turns out that if you're working a DevOps job, you don't actually get to take any time off. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, but, but it wasn't just me. It, practically no one took advantage of more than two or three weeks of vacation a year. And that's what the trend is, that the more you, they're doing this unlimited stuff, people are taking less time off. Right. Because you don't... So... But I think the company that I worked at, like, I really think his intention was to get people to take more time off. Uh, but I don't think at the time they really understood what we understand now, that it has the reverse effect. So I don't know if you heard of a company called Bear Metrics, yeah. run by a guy named Joshua Pigsford. And they made their, um, their fame and fortune by taking Stripe uh, analytics and making them visual so that you could, and it's really easy to sign up to, you just have to go to, Bear metrics and say, yes, I approve bare metrics to show me all my Stripe data. And they, they produced all these lovely charts and they'll show you a real time statistics on how much money you're making. And, um, I think they got a lot of traction by putting their own metrics on their front page. And I think Buffer IO did the same thing. And so I think a lot of people opted in so that you could see everybody's metrics. And, um, so they instituted not unlimited PTO, but, um, minimum. PTO. Mm-hmm. And he's the CEO, Joshua. Um, he berates himself because they have, they have a wall of shame where they record the person and the number of days of vacation that they've taken. And he's like, well, if you look at the chart, I'm at the bottom of the list. Like he's taking the least number of days of vacation. And he's, he's hard on himself because he feels like the employees will take their cues from me. And so if they see me taking very few days of vacation, you know, they're going to take, they're, they're going to take fewer so he's like trying to do more. But I thought that was great. He's like, you have to take five weeks this year. Yeah. You don't have a choice. See, I, I like that. And actually, um, my wife and I were talking about this. She said in a lot of financial institutions, there are regulations governing each year. They're forced to take a consecutive week off of five full days. And the reasoning is that if you're doing something shady during those five days, someone else is going to have to do your job and oh. they will recognize it. Right. So that's that's one of those things that I think we could all learn from. Um, I, I don't know. Are we still are we still on boundaries here? I think we are, right? Because there's there's the element of, like you said, if you don't know where the boundaries are, that's when this bad stuff starts to happen, and you'll see regressive behaviors because people ultimately want to protect themselves from uh, harm or criticism or uh, being ostracized by the crowd, right? So if you if you don't know where your boundaries are, you're going to kind of shrink into a very safe zone. And I think, you know, that's fine, except if someone else is there to take advantage of the fact that you're shrinking away from the boundary that should be set, right? And that's going to kind of diminish your capabilities as you go on. So I think that's how that ties in. Well, I think the more times you've stepped out into the dark, 
um, the more you realize how how far you want that fire light to shine, right? Yeah. I, I think that the farther out there you get and the more times you try it, the more you realize we need a little bit more light out here. Let's, you know, add some wood to the fire, make it a little bit brighter so we can see a little farther, right? So I, I, I know um, the, the other thing is that we never really know all of the boundaries. Like we, there are assumed boundaries on, on every different party's behalf. Uh, every person involved in a conversation or a relationship in any way, they come to it with their own set of experiences and their own set of preferences and their own assumptions. And all of those things are based on a life that they lived that you haven't lived. And there's no way you ever could have. So as good as your communication may be in sitting down with someone and trying to set up clear expectations, guidelines, boundaries um, in that relationship, you're still never going to get it all. But I think the more times you do it, the better you get at setting up the first few obvious ones. The first few that will be obvious to everyone as time goes on. Right. Is that? That makes sense. Do you, so, have you found, do you find that? Yeah. I think, like I said, like, like I didn't really think about how, what boundaries I was setting with some of my clients until I was sitting back and thinking about, well, how's this been going? And, you know, how's my work rhythm working out? I thought, oh, you know what? I'm working a lot of really weird hours. Why is that happening? And then I said, oh, because I've got this constant to-do list that someone else has made for me, um, which is not a metaphor I can claim as my own. I think I heard that, I guess it was the Tim Ferriss podcast where they were discussing email. And he said, email. Tim, Tim is, he's the 10-hour, four-hour work. Four-hour work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he kind of said email is... is is, is a burden because it's someone else's to-do list and it's constantly being shoved at you. Yeah. And I, thought, I feel that more now than I've ever felt before. Yeah. And so yeah. it's it's crazy. And I looked at it and I'm like, well, where, where's all this work coming from? And I said, oh, because I get an email from one of my clients and my instinct is to jump right to it and not put the brakes on it and try to assess, is this an emergency? Does that have to be done right now? Uh, can this wait until tomorrow morning? And you know, I don't know about you, but I've got a phone that, that has email on it. Yeah. And I would find myself checking it while we were getting ready to walk into a restaurant. Right. <laughs> and it's right. like, no, this this is not right. This is not how I want to spend my life. Um, yeah. So, you know, and there are times where I do want to know if the email comes in. Like I've had systems that have gone online and there's, it's a big day, right? I want to be connected then. But you know, it's not one of those times. That's a terrible time because you're... And so what I realized is I was just jumping to somebody else's, you know, cadence. And so if I had not realized that that was happening, I wouldn't have looked back and said, huh, I wonder how I can change this. Um, does that answer the question? I yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the other thing that is probably worth talking about in terms of software development, I mean, this is for really anybody that works in a, in a, in a salaried position is um, the one thing that I see that's very different about what you and I do uh, working out on our own versus employees who are salaried is time. And we talked about that in episode two, I think, uh, where we talked about time and resources. But when you're salaried and your employer asks you to do something, you almost feel like you have to do it. Um, You're getting this payment every two weeks or every twice a month or whatever it is. And you don't want that payment to ever stop. There's no, and there's a lot of ambiguity about, what gets done as a part of that payment and what doesn't, what, what just doesn't get done. 
and what's going to happen to you if you don't do the work that's asked of you. And so, but when you're getting paid, even if you're a contractor, for instance, and a lot of people can relate to that better than setting up uh, your own deals in a business or whatever. But as a contractor, for instance, if you're sitting there and you're getting paid on the hour every, or every hour and you've been brought in for a specific job, technically as a contractor, you should do that job and nothing else. A lot of people are so used to being an employee that when they become a contractor, they still do other work. And I think that managers tend to expect that of contractors. But I, and we've talked about this a lot, of, a lot of times, but I've had instances where, where when I finally got to the point of realizing as a contractor, no, I am not an employee. There are things legally that this company that is the client of mine as a contractor that this company should not do and is in their best interest not to do, like invite me to all the parties or invite me to their training sessions or whatever else. They should not do those things because when they do those things, it makes me start to look like an employee. And then I have the ability to go back and say, hey, lawyer, can you go talk to so-and-so about making sure that I get all the benefits that I never got paid from them because they were treating me like an employee the whole time? And that's happened many times in law and whatever, but that's another one of these boundaries. And it's a legal boundary between contractors and employees. I guess where I really wanted to go with that is is that, and I'm sorry, you call jump in, jump That's in. Right. Where, where I'm Red dog, <laughs> Omaha, Omaha. <laughs> where I meant to go with that is just to say that, you know, if, if someone wants to ship you out to Shanghai as an employee, you're probably going to do it and you're probably going to jump at it because it's a free trip to go to Shanghai. Yeah. If you're a contractor and you're getting paid by the hour and somebody says, go to Shanghai, you're going to be like, no, well, wait a minute. Like, you're not going to pay me while I'm flying. You're not going to pay me for my night slept in someone else's hotel bed. You're not going to pay me for my travel to the office, wherever that is from the hotel in Shanghai. And you're not going to pay me for the recuperation time that I have to spend when I get back. And you know what I mean? So it's a very different mindset from someone who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Well, Paul, think of the exposure. To what? All the free work that you'll be doing. <laughs> I, I haven't come across this too many times, but I understand for a lot of creatives, like people that are designers or artists, um, illustrators, for whatever reason, they seem to get this uh, this offer. Hey, do it for free. You'll the exposure will be great. Yeah. And I don't never had that happen as a contractor, but really, I I had that happen really? recently. Yeah, I have it happen quite <laughs> quite a bit. And you said no thanks, right? Um, no, I mean, in some cases I've done it, but not for the reasons that people like when they say, Oh, it would be great for exposure, for instance. And I, if someone were to come to me and use that line, it would be like, well, exposure to whom? Like I already have exposure to you and you're inviting me to come do this. Like who, who am I going to get exposure to? Yeah. Um, now I'm not talking like speaking at conferences. I mean, like, no, Paul, right, it's now, a test framework. Well, but that's the same thing, right? If you go to a if you go to a conference, what is the reach of the conference? If you're going to do it without getting paid and without getting, you know, some of these conferences don't pay for travel, they don't pay for for food, they don't pay for your hotel. Some of them do, yeah, and some of them will pay you some money to come over there and do it. In most of those cases, most of the decent sized conferences, you're going to get enough exposure to where it's really, really good. But because some of them you're not because you're talking to potentially your customers. Potentially, or yeah. people who can link you up with your customers, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had times like that, and 
I think in those cases, once again, it goes back to what are you trying to gain out of it? What are they trying to gain out of it? And where does it leave us in the future if you do or don't do these things? Right. Assuming that you, you kind of know where your boundaries are, maybe not everybody else knows. How do you handle the situation where a boundary has been crossed? I mean, it's, it's obvious it's been crossed to you, but maybe not somebody else. Or maybe you've stepped across the boundary you didn't realize was there. I mean, how do you go about repairing that? Well, I think that's a good point is that they can almost always be repaired, don't you think? Almost always. I, I, I can't have a hard time thinking of a boundary that couldn't be crossed. Well, there are probably some that come in mind. Sure but in a work some. environment, <laughs> yeah. Provided we're talking about a professional experience and a, ba- a professional boundary. Yeah. Like some, something inside the... Paul, we love that. We loved you. The session you just gave us on on how to test, uh, set up test strat- te- data strategies for tests. I think our team learned a lot. Now, if you could take my dry cleaning <laughs> to, the, you know, to the store, I think we can write you a check. There's much more room to repair things than people generally know to begin with. I think it's important to remember that not, once again, not everybody comes to these relationships with the same skill set and the same experience. Uh, everyone's made assumptions on what these what the boundaries are, and it's just clarifying them. So I think where I am today, as opposed to five years ago, it's a very very different place when those things happen. I think now I realize something has happened. Um, I realize there's time to take a step back, uh, digest whatever it is, and work together with the client to, to move forward. Don't, is that the case for you or what? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I think being reasonable, at least for the people that have been offended or if you've been offended, like you said, you know, kind of allowing the other person a chance to save face and make you know repairs. Um, but I think... You know, maybe before that step is maybe the other person doesn't realize that they've crossed the boundary. And so kind of going back to them and saying, hey, I just noticed this happened and here's why that's not good for either one of us. And I think you learn over time which people you can do that with and which ones you can't. And if you can't do that with your point of contact at the client, then there, there are significant issues, I think. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think so. But I think like... You know, between you and I, I think we worked with enough companies where we get a sense when we walk in the door oh, yeah. and we start seeing the red flags, we can steer our ship out of there tactfully and before we go into those waters. Um, and maybe someone who's starting out, they haven't developed those senses yet. So that's probably a you know, more pressing skill. Yeah. How do I how do I get out of, out of the situation that I'm in? Yeah. So I think that's true. Yeah. So look, um, this has been fun talking about boundaries. I think we've kind of talked through a number of different aspects of it. Once again, you guys can all reach us. We really want to hear your feedback. I want to hear all about it, whether you come out on Twitter and um, talk to us at Reflection AAS. If you come on the website um, and, and find us on there, there's a there's an email address now, raas at beauforfairmont.com, and I'll try to set up something with the right domain name at some point. I just haven't quite gotten to it yet, James. Um, you can always comment on the website to give us feedback about this episode or others. We'd love to hear that. Please, one of the things that helps us is to have reviews on these different services. So if you're somebody who listens to all of these and you just love listening to us, please go out and give us a review on iTunes. Take a moment to do that. That's something that can really help iTunes or Google Play or on SoundCloud. Just pick one, find a way to review us on those. Those help. 
Um, if you have information about things that you want to talk about, you want us to talk about, if there are certain guests that you know or that you want to put us in contact with and beyond, we'd love to hear it. Uh, and we're just so happy you joined us. It's been over a year now that we've been doing this and the response has been better than I could have imagined. So once again, we're sponsored by Beaufort Fairmont, my company, we do automated testing. We work with companies to transition from doing manual testing to automated testing. And we do that in several ways, whether it's through training, actual project work or consulting. Call us today, uh, reach out to us on the web and we will talk to you next time. Well, yeah, let us know if we triggered your boundaries. <laughs> if we crossed any boundaries with you. All right, thanks. <laughs>